The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. A warning that the subject matter discussed in this week's episode may not be suitable for all listeners. In the early 1990s, Sasha Taylor was a teenager. She loved the new kids on the block. She read Stephen King novels and wrote in a diary. One day during her sophomore year of high school, without warning, her childhood was stolen and a nightmare began. The day that it happened was the day that I was on the school bus. It was the first time I had heard the song Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. That's what I remember about that day. (laughs) And I got off the school bus and my grandmother was like, hey, she said, we're having a dinner party tonight. Make sure you change. They went to a party that evening at her uncle's house. And after the meal, a woman placed a gold chain around Sasha's neck and asked if the proposal was okay. Sasha was baffled. Her grandmother and mother looked on. Sasha had been forced into an engagement with a man whose visa had expired. She'd never met him. Within months of my forced engagement, I was married in an Arizona courthouse. Because I was a minor, my husband became my legal guardian and was able to fill out his own visa application, naming me as his sponsor. From The Washington Post, I'm James Holman, and this is Please Go On, where we dig into important op-eds. My conversation this week stems from a stunning opinion piece by Sasha, where she details her forced marriage at the age of 15. She's a survivor. She escaped the marriage and went on to become an FBI analyst. Now she's out of the government, and fighting for reforms at the state and federal level so other girls don't have to experience what she did. Marriage before the age of 18 is legal in 44 states, though many states require parental permission or legal emancipation for minors. In states with no age minimum, kids as young as 10 have been forced into marriage. Sasha was born in Pakistan, but is a U.S. citizen, and she became the third generation in her family forced into marriage. Here's our conversation. Hi, Sasha. Hi, James. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking about this. I really appreciate it. And your piece has really moved and touched a lot of people. How did your life change after you were married? And, And how did these forced marriages affect girls as they become women for the rest of their lives. You are expected to behave like the perfect daughter-in-law. You are no longer a teenager. You are now expected to behave like a woman. And you are expected to act a certain way. You are expected to talk a certain way. You are expected to be submissive to your future in-laws. And the behavior on how you're supposed to act starts right then and there. Because you are no longer a teenager. You are now a future wife and a future daughter-in-law and a future mother. And your life is never the same. 
And that's not how it should be. Like even with the, with the diaspora, when I used to go to dinner parties, with even with my family, even after in this forced engagement, when I used to go to the dinner parties with my diaspora, there's my girlfriends sitting around talking, but I was expected to dress up and sit next to this mother-in-law whom I don't even know what to say to because I am 15 years old. How could this have possibly been legal in Arizona? The age to consent when it comes to legal marriage is 15 at that time, back when this happened to me. So your forced engagement was was before you were legally eligible, and then as soon as you became legally eligible in Arizona, they, they put you into the marriage. Right, because his visa was expiring. He was a student at that time at the university. He was 22. He was seven years older than me, and his visa was expiring. Because to get me out of that abusive household, my family's thinking, when I say my family, I mean like mostly my mother, my grandmother, and they're thinking, well, here's a young man who's probably going to make a decent living and good money in the future. Let's just get her married off to this nice, supposedly to them, nice family that we've just met. And they're probably going to be taking good care of her because they seem like a decent family. Let's just get her married off. Well, that's not the solution because that's not what I wanted. And what's wild is that it's not just Arizona. That's some aberration. As you lay out in your op-ed, this is a national problem. Yes. And you know what? Federal immigration law is allowing for the facilitation of child marriage through the immigration system. And while what happened to me should not have happened, unfortunately, it did. And and according to the recent data from the 2019 Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee report, it's happened thousands of times just in recent Lee, it has happened thousands of times. I mean, can you imagine the last 30 years since it's happened to me? Early 1990s is when it happened to me. Moving forward, it's probably happened even more. I'd, I'd argue more than thousands of times. I would say that number is so low. And the U.S. US Senate committee right now says that they want to stop this from happening, but they're failing. They're completely failing to implement the changes. I mean, I don't know what what the Senate red tape holdup is exactly, but but it needs to be addressed to protect U.S. girls from, from this. Because, I mean, this happened 30 years ago to me. I mean, the immigration law sets no limit age for foreign brides either. And uh, girls have been brought here from overseas to be brides to older American men. And the data from this the same 2019 report says the same thing. So That is sex trafficking, law. to be clear. We can call it what it is. It's sex trafficking. It's absolutely trafficking. It's, I call it legalized trafficking, unfortunately. That's what it is. Our laws are allowing it. That's exactly what it is. And when you talk about red tape in the Senate, it's unfortunate because this feels like such a no-brainer. And it's gotten caught up in immigration politics between the two parties. And this feels like something where they could and should pass a narrow fix. But we haven't had a major piece of immigration legislation get through Congress since Ronald Reagan was president in 1986. This is one of those things where obviously you've had to live with this. This has been such a central part of your life story. And every few years, child marriage gets more attention in the United States, and then it recedes. But this has been a problem for a long time. And I am surprised that forced child marriages were not a bigger part of the Me Too movement, because 
This is assault. It goes without saying. A 15-year-old cannot give consent. Why do you think forced child marriages weren't part of the Me Too movement? Do you think it's because so many of the people who are affected by this are women of color? Absolutely. It is that. And also, unfortunately, our laws are allowing it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to, again, go back to the fact that our laws are allowing statutory rape. They're allowing statutory rape. And and also, it's a lot of things. Even if they may not be able to set a federal minimum age of marriage because it's a state law issue, um, they have a huge role to play in leading by example, by funding research, and by making changes to immigration policy. They can do um, so many things right now that will make a huge impact, like mandate and fund study of the problem in the U.S., use funding to incentivize states to take action to raise their marriage age laws, and update U.S. immigration law to require all parties to petition to be 18 with no exceptions, and also address age at the time of marriage for any foreign spouse or fiancé. I mean, there's so much that's not being done. We'll be right back after a short break. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So there's a couple things. The, the Trump administration's policy was, let's give extra scrutiny to marriages where visas are at stake and the person being married is a minor. But they said, we're not going to stop that, just scrutinize it. And you note in your piece that had Arizona refused to marry you, you still could have been forced into a Nika abroad. A Nika, by the way, is a religious ceremony for a Muslim couple to be wed under Islamic law. Then you would have had that phony marriage legally recognized by the United States government, where immigration law says marriages are valid for immigration purposes if they're valid under the law of the jurisdiction in which they were performed. So there's all these crazy loopholes. Your piece in the post generated a lot of comments, and I want to read one of the most favorited comments on the piece and then discuss it. This person wrote that I was a visa official and did interviews just like the one the author suggests should be conducted. It would be very obvious to me that such a girl who was denied a visa after speaking to me would likely be subject to beatings or worse. I was always very careful when talking to kids. I usually only did it to enhance the visa application experience for everybody, including me. I never did it when I thought the kid would be beaten on the car ride home. Please do not lay this burden on consular officials. No marriage under 18, period. What's your response to that commenter? When I was married legally for the visa application and then taken to the immigration official by the individual. Um, he schooled me on the ride there about what to say when it comes to something as simple as like where we keep our toothbrushes. 
Um, and I, I, I just remember being very silent and just, I didn't say anything. I didn't say much, you know, he did most of the talking and then moving forward years later, uh, when I started school, when I say school, I mean, ASU just for that one semester, I, I saw this whole new world of like choices starting college makes a huge difference, right? You go to, you start college, you're like, whoa, there is so much I can do with my life. This is amazing. Nobody even, like, nobody told me this. And, and I just, I was like, yeah, but I don't, this is, this is not what I want for my life. I want, I want to do other things. I wanted to be an engineer. I was like, man, I was so good in math and physics and all this stuff. Right. And, and I just, I, I mean, I, we're, we're talking revolting hard. <laughs> How did you escape your own forced marriage in 1996? When I started college, I started revolting really bad. And he saw me on campus um, and he took me to my mom's home and he told me to have the nikah done that night. They all forced me for the nikah that night. And actually I was like beaten all day because I said I didn't want it. I said I didn't want to do this. And, and you know, going back to what the immigration official said, when I kept saying no, 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 um, I was beaten all day. And that night, the nikah was done forcefully in the mosque and the entire community was witness to it in the mosque. And they knew I was being forced into it and nobody said anything. And that's what's so, so horrifying is the fact that the Muslim community or this, any South Asian community, and this can be for any community, the immediate circle is aware of what's happening and they do not say anything. They don't stand up. And that's what's horrifying. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that culture needs to change. We can pass laws, we can change immigration codes, but... Yeah, the individuals who are forcing the minor into this marriage, forced marriage, are the ones who need to be prosecuted. Because that minor is being trafficked to another human being against their will. And that is modern day slavery. It is. And you had a sentence that I hadn't thought about, but that stopped me in my tracks. And it's one of the reasons that I feel like we just need to talk about this and get the word out is you note that many of the girls arriving from Afghanistan in recent months may be free from the brutality of the Taliban, but they're not free from families who believe in a culture of forced marriage. And that that's sickening and horrifying to think about, uh, you know, and that obviously you, your background is Pashtun. These are a lot of Pashtun immigrants. What do we do to help these girls from Afghanistan? I want people to understand that the refugee crisis and a lot of the families that are arriving in the United States, unfortunately, they are coming into the United States. They are escaping these brutal, brutal um, situations that they're in. However, our laws are so behind that they are going to make these young girls vulnerable all over again. They're not any better off over here. The United States has not, has not changed its policies when it comes to protecting minors in the United States. And that includes the minors who are escaping brutal regimes. The United States is a part of the UN and has signed a declaration to protect girls, to protect children from forced marriages, the US is failing. And you know what? We can have all the reps up at UN that we want, 
But at the end of the day, it's our lawmakers who need to change the laws so that we can reach that goal by 2030 to eliminate child marriage. And it's not happening. So Congress is failing. And our local and state and federal lawmakers, they're all failing. You recently started a media company to tell stories of perseverance among South Asian women in the United States who have survived the worst of the worst. And as you note, there have been three generations of forced marriages in your own family. And the first project that you're working on is about the women in your own family. What's your relationship like now with them? Have you had a chance to process these traumatic experiences? Right. So my grandmother was married in a refugee camp in Karachi when she was eight years old after the partition. My family originally is Pashtun from the Kandahar region, and they came to India in Rajasthan. And when the partition happened between India and Pakistan, my family came to uh, Karachi. And up until my great-grandfather, everybody uh, spoke Pashto. And then everybody switched to Urdu and then um, grew up the new generation, as my grandmother used to call them. Everybody grew up, uh, grew up in Karachi. And I was born in Karachi, as was my mom. And my mom also was married when she was 14. Then my mom came to the United States when she was 18 years old. And then I was married when I was 15. So with my relationship with uh, the women in my family, it's complicated. My gra- I grew up with my grandmother. I have been the closest with my grandmother. And my grandmother died uh, two years ago. So that was incredibly traumatic. My entire relationship with my entire family actually reshifted when my grandmother died. And we had to work through a lot of things. My mother and I are just now at a very peaceful place. And my mother is also now starting to uh, reassess her trauma. I think that's a good thing. I do know that every time I, I say something, my mom will say, yeah, it was a very bad thing. We should not have done that to you. Or parents should not do that to their children. We made a horrible mistake. The main point I want to get across is being an immigrant to the United States and surviving. That's, that's the point I want to get across is coming to the United States as a family who is trying to make it in America and trying to financially get to a point where you're trying to support your family, support your children. But at the same time, not everybody has that support inside their home, what that household looks like. And that household is not the same. And I know for my family, it was an incredibly traumatic household filled with abuse, financial instability, a father who did not see his children, who was never there, abandonment, no food, and just growing up feeling alone. And, and that, is a, that is what I want people to imagine and just know a childhood of just abandonment and insecurity and not knowing where it was going to go. Viscerally, we can feel how much uh, damage was done, and and you're so brave to talk about it with us, and and I I really appreciate it, and hope to stay in touch. You know, I know you recently testified in Maryland. You know, you talked about the federal problems and federal inaction, but there's a lot that states can and and should be doing as well. But we'll leave it there for now. Sasha Taylor, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 
Last summer, New York became the sixth and biggest state in the country to ban marriages involving a minor. The other five are my home state of Minnesota, along with Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and Rhode Island. This is a human rights issue, and America must do better. Groups that oppose abortion rights often block changes to antiquated state laws because they say that girls who become pregnant should be allowed to marry the father of their child, whatever the age. But a father doesn't need to be married to a mother to be legally responsible for taking care of that child. And they still could marry when both are adults. Please Go On is produced by Julie Deppenbrock, with editing from Allison Michaels, Renita Jablonski, and Michael Duffy. This episode was mixed by Veronica Simonetti. Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. The show notes include a link to Sasha Taylor's op-ed. I'm off next week, but my colleague Michelle Norris will guest host. She has an interview scheduled with Abbott Elementary actress Cheryl Lee Ralph. I'll be back the following week because there's always more to say. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.